Welcome to the Stock of the Town podcast. This is John and Karen Pendleton with Pendleton's Country Market. We live in the Kansas River Valley, just outside of Lawrence, Kansas. We've been farming for over 40 years and want to share about our farm and our community. We want to welcome back Stan Hurd to our podcast today and um, talk a little bit more about some of the activities that he has helped us with on the farm. And one in particular was a movie that was actually shot. And I, as I recall, I think it was the fall of 06 because, you know, we label everything from landmarks and we had the microburst of 06. And I'm thinking in the fall, Chris Ordahl came out to to shoot his movie called Earthworks. Was that right after the microburst? Were you guys cleaning up from that when we well, built the wall? Well, the microburst was in March, but I was thinking that it was more more summer. Karen's shaking her head no. Well, I think it was in the summer of 2007. <laughs> oh, so it was the year after that. It could be. It could be. I think we started talking to them in 2006 about it when Chris came out. That could be. And then we actually did it in the summer mm. of 2007. And then it, it took a while for them to get it edited and, and sure, before sure. they released it. But uh, Yeah, the uh, yeah, Chris Ordahl's uh, had a, a connection, a family connection that allowed him to put a pretty serious money into a movie. And um, probably the most that somebody spent for a movie around here in a while. And uh, So did, did he come to you... And said, you, your life is interesting, I want to write a movie about it? Or It's about you going to New York City right. and making an earthwork in the middle of New York City. and We were talking about a movie about the earthworks, about the possibility. And I thought, you know, I, I, did, I, I wasn't really buying into it that much. And it was kind of a distraction. I'm like, you know, I, okay, sure. You know, you're going to make a movie. Everybody wants to make a movie. I hang out with Kevin Wilmot, and, and every single day somebody comes up and goes, I've got a movie idea. The The, the premise was uh, was based on this idea that I had that, you know, I was getting a lot of, quite a bit of national attention, teeny bit of international maybe. But I was, I had the feeling that people were going, oh, uh, a farm boy on a tractor making art. Wow. You know, isn't that exciting? So I thought, you know, I've got to go to New York. And, you know, I'd been to New York before. I, I've actually left the state a few times. And I decided I'm going to go up and do something right under their nose just to, you know, to force my work in front of the, the New York art world, which is what I did. And in so doing, I, I ended up on Trump's property and ended up with Trump's vice president, uh, Andy Weiss. I still am in touch with him. Not with the Donald, by the way. <laughs> anyway, the uh, the process was really quite interesting because I ended up, you know, getting to know those people. So in the mornings, uh, on occasion, I would go to Trump Tower and talk to Andy and Charlie. And in the afternoons, I would be, you know, eating canned beans with homeless guys. I mean, it was the alpha and the omega of the New York experience. And I was there for nine months. And Jan and I's relationship really suffered a lot. And that was one of the things that I told Chris when... When he made the movie, I said, this is a pretty dangerous area here because you've got to treat Janice with great respect here because this was a, a really rough time in our life. And me deciding that I was going to go do this thing. You know, it's men have done that forever. I'm going to go to war. Well, you know, you've got responsibilities here. No, it's way more important to go to war, you know. And men have done that forever, you know, and left women behind to go do things to prove their 
you know, metal in the world. And I kind of did that in a way. And so since then, I've been trying to kind of make up for that. And I think Jan's bought in that I'm a decent guy since then and my son, Evan. But I, uh, you know, I did that. Uh, we we had this experience. And then when, when Chris realized that the story was these homeless guys, a compliment of these people and from their viewpoint, how they might have seen me come to New York and, and try to make this happen. It was very, you know, and 90 percent, 80 percent of it was accurate. And then he added, you know, he added things. But And, and um, how did you get to know the homeless People who were they kind of you know I was in a really rough rough area we were I, I had to go through a big fenced gate with a lock to get back into the area that Trump was getting ready to getting ready to develop in which he has developed into all of these buildings and it was the old Penn Square railroad yard there were pheasants on the oh ground. really there were a, there was a, a hen pheasant and chicks and ducks and grass this tall right on the edge of New York City. I couldn't believe it. Hudson River boats going, tugboats going by. Traffic up on 11th Avenue that was about 60 feet up. But it was you were isolated down there. It was about 10 acres. And there were some scary folks down there. So I would get out of there in the evenings. But these homeless guys lived in there. And they, they said, you know, what are you doing? You know, and I, I finally got to know uh, Ryan, who's the star, and Lone Wolf. And they, uh, you know, the, I ended up giving them food and said, you know, you can come and help. And it really changed Ryan's life. He he had a purpose and, um, you know, a whole other story that I, that would take way too long to tell. But I, I met him again 15 years later with my son, Evan, when we went back to New York. And uh, by completely by uh, just absolute serendipity, met him on a street corner. Is and that he, right? he recognized me. Oh, my goodness. You know, the, that is an interesting story. And the reason it is an interesting story is why Chris Ordahl made the movie, made the movie Earthwork. And much of that movie was shot on our farm. Right out back here. Yeah, right? yeah. We yeah. built the wall. You guys helped us build a wall that looked like the wall that had all the graffiti on it. The graffiti wall. The graffiti well, I think Kevin Wilmot's son did some of, a lot of the graffiti. Well, as I recall, he'd... He, he tried to be in the right mental uh, spot to come in at night and he'd have spray paint lights and he would add and, and he would change the graffiti. And what was it? 30 by no, it was, no, it was it 300 was, feet long and, and I'm trying about to think. 13 feet tall. Yeah, sounds about so right. It was it was it was a it big, mimicked big. the wall that had all the graffiti on it that that was beside my actual field, and they saw pictures of that. But so it was it made our farm look like it was <laughs> right on the Hudson River, <laughs> exactly. in New York. And then we built. Then the whole idea was that the ground out here was the ground that I had cleared to create the image in New York. And then they flew to New York and got a few shots of John Hawks walking around, and you know, close to that site and through the gate and everything to tie in just what you know to edit it down to make it look real and it's funny you look at it now and you really don't think that it's not in new york which is which is a a testament to his skills at editing well and, and on the personal side the fact that we had movie people here living on the farm essentially there was there was one security guy that actually did stay Overnight, and we had uh, RVs for the for the actors. But because the food truck was here, 
they were buying lots of vegetables from the farm, so we were... <laughs> you were happy. We made a lot of money on it. That was cool. Well, it was... It was really, really interesting yeah. to be able to watch the process. And, and, uh, and as I recall, I was busy working on the farm, you know, doing our regular farming right. stuff, and I'd kind of swing by every once in a while and look, take a look and see what was going on. But I really had no idea that it was a really good movie that was a real movie that when you watched it oh my goodness it just I well they had some you know john hawks was uh, was doing another movie at the time if, as you recall he would be here for a week and then he would leave for a week and then he would come back for a week and then he would go a week and and he was working on a winter's moan which he got an academy of nomination so we caught him right before he got famous or they never would have been able to yeah. afford him because they got him for, you know, a third of what he would have got a year later because of Winter's Bone's success. And then he's gone on, you know, rocketed up to the top with great films. But John was a lot of fun to hang out. You know, it was kind of strange for me because I wanted, you know, I'm a, I'm a cowboy. I wear cowboy boots. I'm a Western guy. You know, I know how to shoot quail. I can talk John Deere. But I'm a pretty sophisticated dude. I, I hung out with, you know, William Burroughs and Kevin Wilmot, and I've traveled around the world. And... Chris really wanted to make me, you know, like, I'm in New York City and I'm going to go make me some art, you know. And so at some point I went, you know, dude, get over yourself. Nobody's going to watch this thing anyway. And, and you know, 10, 20 years from now, nobody will care. But that was my that was my only concern is that I wanted him to portray me as, you know, kind of knowing what's going on in the art world. And I did. You know, I, I knew what I was doing yeah. to, to the extent that any artist knows what they're doing. But I knew that that I was up against a, a very elitist group of folks in a way and supported that. But I wasn't a guy, you know, painting ducks taking off of a pond, you know. I, I, I had a sophistication and a knowledge about the art world. And I wanted them to at least showcase that a little bit. And, and I was like pulling teeth to get him to come up with anything like that, you know. But... Um, all in all, how many people get to have a movie made about oh, that? Absolutely, no. I, that's it's extraordinary to think that you know this this is the the Stan Hurd story, and 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 I would highly encourage people to. Do Can it. you find it out there? Where is it, it? It is available. Um, uh, I, I, just the other day, I. Googled it and, and I, really? you can you can find it streaming someplace and you know we won awards in Colorado Springs and Austin we were at, at South by Southwest we won a couple of awards California we went to Marin County right north of San Francisco I mean we and New York and you know we didn't go to the big we weren't in the big film uh, you know Sundance and things like that but we, we Chris got a lot of a lot of interest in that and we may do it again the the real movie would be Cuba. The, the project I did in Cuba was 10 times cooler than that. <laughs> so one of the things I remember about the movie was that they uh, were really excited about doing a one-shoot film for the, right. the trailers, and it had all of the people who were in it. You had artwork that had, right. was cut with all the... Directors and, and writers. And the name of the film, the everything. Film. Everything was That's what was underneath the grain elevator over yeah. there was that. Yeah, yeah. Earthworks. And, and the fact that it was going to be so unique because they were utilizing a helicopter with a camera hanging from a tether way down below the helicopter so you didn't have the air wash. Right. And then with the camera was a 
gyroscope that right. kept the camera Tyler still. Tyler Mount, I think they call it. And they flew it and tried to do the seamless one shot. And then at the very final end, come swooping in on uh, the John Hawk, the Stan Hurd character, standing in the middle of, of right. a, a field of, so, of uh, sunflowers and, and with his pad of paper. They would then take the helicopter and land the camera on the cradle. Right. And somehow it shorted out. Right. And they'd lose the images. So they tried it again and tried it again. And eventually they had to call it a day and shipped somehow a part from California overnight to try and fix it. And then they tried it again. And the local uh, township fire department said, look, we're supposed to be here if there's a helicopter taking off. And, and um, you know, we've kind of run out of time. And so Chris had to come up with more cash to pay the yep. volunteer firemen to, to sit there and be there. And gosh, that was amazing. And then at the very, very end, they weren't able to do that. They did still do the one scene shot, but it was by strapping a photographer onto the side of the helicopter, and he just hung out the helicopter. I didn't even remember. With, I was like, camera and, I, I was just like, I, I don't even know want to want to know what you're doing. But, it, but, it, that's the why he won. We won the South by South by Southwest, the Austin thing. He won it because of that opening scene. And, and, and it was extraordinary. But you stop and think, today, you do that... With a drone. With a drone. It's you know, easy so, smeezy. So simple. Easy peasy. But, but at the time, it was so innovative and, and just absolutely, absolutely Chris is smart guy. Chris is doing well in California. I, I talked to him. Yeah, good, yeah. good. And Emily, he's in, he and Emily are happily married good. and doing good. Well, if he gets back to Lawrence and, you, you know... We'll have a party. You know, I may do something in Kansas City coming up soon, so uh, keep keep your dancing shoes on. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. So we've talked a little bit about the the movie. We didn't finish what the, the, the end of the movie, because I think that just kind of plays a little bit of, of the story, I guess, of how you did this artwork uh, in this lot in New York City... And then what became of this artwork? So, you know, in the movie version, uh, the, he, he just pushed it up a year beyond what it was. That they, you know, I knew I had a, a temporary image and that it was going to end. And that, you know, and of course the homeless guys were, you know, wanting to, uh, wanting to see it completely finished. And it was getting dicey at the end of the year whether we could get it done. And then we found out that we actually could probably come back the next year, but finances and personal things, you know, conspired to take me down. And then that year they started tearing everything out, you know, and took it out to, to and I knew that was coming. In the movie, it's kind of, he kind of makes it like, you know, I, was, I wasn't expecting it to happen that soon. And that was a, that was an, you know, that's, that's why they make the movies. And, and Chris was really good at that. If, if we, if you told the, the actual story, it would be every bit as compelling. It would be quite a bit different. But there was a lot of, you know, a lot going on behind the scenes. I mean, the, you know, some of it I can tell, some of it I can't. <laughs> well, and, and my memory of watching the movie, I was just exhausted after it was over. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how depressing. And, then, you know, and, and the way, the, way um, the movie portrayed your character as being... You know, you'd been run through the ringer. And, yeah, and that was true too. You know. Yeah. No, I, and, and and I had borrowed a lot of money to do it, and 
you know, and I thought this is going to be, you know, this is what you have to do to get yourself out there in the world. And and come to find out, it's absolutely true. It is what you have to do. And it worked. But for a year or two, it wasn't quite evident. (laughs) The thing, thing, again, with the movie is you thought, gosh, it's all is lost. But then as they started running the credits at the end of the movie, they had superimposed or they had images of pieces of art that you had All the different things. And... To me, it was all of a sudden, oh, well, this is telling the audience that you weren't a broken person. Absolutely. That you did not lose and that, that you did, you know, this wasn't the avenue that you thought it was going to be to propel you into the national spotlight again. But, but it exactly. Was, no, but, you, you're, but, you've got it exactly yeah, right. Yeah. And that, that you have done some tremendous yeah. artwork throughout the years. And, and then... You know, the last few years, you, you did work in China. Yeah, I got to go to China. And, you know, the, the, the crazy thing is at my age, you know, I'm my best stuff's in front of me, I think. You know, and they had the cancer. So that and when that went away, you know, I'm emboldened like I have never been before to make the best of these years. And, you know, Evan's 31. Psychic Heat is getting back together. My son's band, uh, when that fell apart five or six years ago, which most bands do, you know, it's like any of our children who go through college and then something bad happens and they don't get to, you know, get that job that they really wanted. Uh, Evan's band was everything. You know, he was the lead man. He's the Zen Evan, you know, but on stage he transforms into something else. And that guy has been gone for seven years. And Janice and I notice it. And, he, you know, he's he's playing in five bands. But last week they were in the studio playing Psychic Heat and he was back. That was wonderful. Oh, my <laughs> That's God. Wonderful. That's good. Well... Throughout the years, you know, uh, all three of our kids no actually, kidding. Yeah. Uh, did work in North Kansas City, did work over in Salina, and there were times where we'd get a phone call and, oh my gosh, I need a little bit of help, and Will and I would jump in the car, drive yeah. out to Salina, and try and do a little bit of work to help you finish various projects. Liz yeah. was here just two days ago, and I told her that you were going to be coming in, oh, we were going to visit, and she says... I remember going over on the river in North Lawrence and sorting rocks by color. <laughs> they keep and helped on that piece. Well, this one's kind of pink, and this one's kind of blue, and this one's kind of gray. <laughs> no, we our families have been have intertwined, and uh, certainly our families for the better because of that. And we appreciate you guys so much. You know, and really, Evan, Evan finding out about the seasons, and I forgot, you know, I forgot what it was like to be really connected to the landscape until I reconnected with you guys. And then we got into, I got into working with other farmers around here that had different fields, but it was a really powerful thing for Evan and I and Janice, you know, we were going through a rough time there, and we kind of came back together around this. I remember Evan's birthday party with all the boys and uh, Jan and... You know, I got stories to tell about that. We have a lot of par- we time. had a lot of parties out on the oh my on God. the deck out there. Yeah, <laughs> and the deck is gone. The tornado took the deck. But yeah, the deck I think they found just north of uh, of uh, Knuckleheads in Kansas City. <laughs> so I have a question. So the white Ford when you were going to be on TV is that a so real- so here's okay. the this is now this is a perfect example of movie making okay. with, and I love this idea so. The real story with the O.J. Simpson thing is it affected my art and my life, and, and it's, and it's uh, emblematic of how 
a lot of fun things going on in the world get knocked off the news channel because of some horrible event. So the real thing that happened was I was on the field with my first CBS reporter. I think it was CBS. They set up, they pulled in, they got the permission to get through the gate, and they and they were there for an hour or so, and the crew was walking around filming birds and filming me. I had this uh, gal who was going to interview me, and, you know, so she said, you know, so let's get, you know, we get the mic check and everything, and just as she starts it, the guy over at the uh, vehicle with the thing on it says, O.J. Simpson's wife was just found murdered in Bel Air. They said, oh, my God, they all left the field. And I was like, really? That's it? You know, in the movie, he changed it to the Bronco thing because that scene was more compelling because you would be watching TV to watch the Bronco. So that's how close it was. It was O.J. It was the murder. It was everything that that actually happened, but he made it into the Broncos scene. That's interesting because I always assumed that that was fact, that it was, you know, they're ready to start rolling film on you. You were, you know, the national publicity, because this was before cable. Right, right. No, you had a chance to get on. And and the fact that there was the three big networks and you were going to get unbelievable national publicity and a white Ford Bronco slow chase changed the, the... Everybody just watched that for the next how many days? There were there were a number of things like that, yeah. But yeah. Well, you had spent, you said nine months in New York doing this, and I'm not going to ask how much money you poured into doing all this. And then here was the culmination of this artwork being unveiled, and it just disappeared. Yeah, that was pretty accurate, and that was. And uh, so I did get some publicity that wasn't like the only thing, but that was the biggest one, yeah. you know. And I paid for Trump's vice presidents for their helicopter ride over my field. I thought that was pretty funny. I remember going, how much is it? And they got $1,200 for the two for 30 minutes. I said, okay, it's going to lead to something. So, And th- those guys are really cool. I loved Andy Weiss. He's still my buddy. He's not with the organization anymore. Anyway, that was. Uh, I remember one time I was so beat, and I had a somebody giving me an apartment down by Soho, and so I would leave the field, and I didn't have a car at that particular time, and I would go get on a subway or a bus, and I remember sitting down with a cup, just waiting for the bus to come, and somebody came by and put money in my cup. Oh. <laughs> And I was, you know, I looked like a homeless guy because I was dirty, you know, dirty I just had dirt and sweat. And, and sweat and, and, yeah. You know, yeah. people. Well, that's that very common of... around here. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. The other yeah. day, John walked into the market and somebody was here and he'd been out on the. <laughs> and who's that and guy? The dust was blowing and he walked in and I'm sorry, well, honey, you looked like you were homeless yeah. too. Coat with a brick in it. Beat to hell. <laughs> That's my work clothes, and they're comfortable. <laughs> okay. There you go. Well, it was uh, it was really, you know, my life has been doing things and then some opportunities to retell the story, which we're doing right here, which is always fun, you know, that you get to um, to revisit these things and, and bring up memories with people that shared those experiences with you. So I've had an amazing life, and you guys have been a, a good part of it. I appreciate it. Well, and, and by golly, we... We appreciate the friendship right back. Absolutely. Well, we sure thank you all for listening to us again (laughs) as we just kind of sit around and visit with with friends. 
thanks for listening to the Stock of the Town podcast. Tell your friends about it. Uh, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you uh, can't find us anywhere else, you can always just go to our website and click on the links there to listen to the Stock of the Town, where we talk about our farm and our community.